Welcome back to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. This is your host, Stu Jenkins. We're talking with constitutional lawyer Michael T. Nolan, and we've been uh, just chatting about the Ninth Amendment here for the moment. Michael, you had some more to say about that, didn't you? Well, I've read the uh, congressional debate over the adoption of the Bill of Rights, and part of the fear at the when the Constitution was drafted was that the Bill of Rights was actually a dangerous idea to incorporate in the Constitution because it's uh, people said it it you can't put all the rights people enjoy in a Constitution. You can't write them all down. Well, that had actually been one of the reasons that, that James Madison had opposed putting a Bill of Rights in the Constitution until he found that he couldn't get uh, Virginia or New York to uh, ratify the Constitution without a Bill of Rights. And uh, well, he, he, that, was, that was his main argument, because he said the people in the several states had uh, their, crafted their own sets of Bills of Rights. Well, Madison was a, a, a... I've got a book here that talks about him being the first professional politician in the United States. And if one aspect of that is if he made a promise, he kept it. Yes. And at the ratifying at the convention in Virginia to ratify the Constitution, it was a close vote, and he made a promise to the um, to uh, to win the delegates to support the Constitution that he would push through a a, a bill of rights, and the convention of Virginia proposed a certain a long list of. Um, uh, proposals for a Bill of Rights, and, um, um, and that was what Madison took as his template when he got elected to the House of Representatives in 1789. And that, so, in other words, he was doing this because uh, not because he had made a commitment, he had made a promise uh, to the, his other, to his constituents and to his um, uh, fellow delegates at the Virginia ratifying convention to do it, and he he makes makes that argument. At the same time, I remember reading one congressman who's just saying, you know, we can't put everything in. You know, I can wear my hat down the street. Do I need to have something in the Bill of Rights to say I can wear my hat? And the, well, that's that a form of speech, after all. Amendment. No, you, you won't be there <laughs> to retain your rights. But then it comes down to a point is can I walk down the street without wearing a mask? And then that opens up another question, doesn't it? It does. And, uh, of course, then we get to uh, we get to the early Supreme Court cases that upheld uh, cities and states requiring vaccines. But there, we're, we're, that's where the crossover between the police power retained by the states, apparently, and the freedom of expression can uh, run into each other. Oh, that's right. And I, I do want to add one point. You mentioned the freedom of conscience, as Madison talked about it, uh, was important. Uh, I was reading uh, the Joseph Story, was a justice of the Supreme Court early, and he wrote his book on the Constitution of the United States, where he explained the Constitution. This is about in the 1820s or so. But I came across one uh, part when he came to religion, and he was all in favor of freedom of conscience, and everybody can believe whatever they want to. And then he went off and said, 
you know, Catholics can believe anything they want. I didn't understand why Catholics didn't, why Catholics couldn't understand that they could, they had complete freedom of belief, freedom of conscience. There was nothing wrong with that. The only problem in Joseph's story's attitude was why do they keep following the Bishop of Rome? <laughs> why, why are they, that it was their ritual that he was upset at. And, and so you have freedom of, so you actually do have judges that, you know, say, well, the First Amendment guarantees freedom of conscience, but uh, the state can regulate its ritual. Any, any, you know, can can outlaw certain uh, practices that of of religion, and it got to a um, um, the court had to deal with um, the anti polygamy statute in Utah in the Utah Territory passed by Congress, and the question raised was uh, polygamy was a article of the Mormon faith at that time, and uh, this guy was convicted of it, and uh, he wanted to claim freedom of religion, and it was the first time that someone tried to assert that the First Amendment applied, uh, and it prevented Congress from outlawing the practice of his religion. And the Supreme Court essentially had the rule, well, you can believe whatever you want, but the Congress has the right to to restrain... Your, how you practice your religion. And they did that so they didn't have to go into natural law, which the natural law idea always was that you had freedom of religion except where your um, your religious practices violated, you know, the, the laws of natural morality. And they use that and they say, yeah, only, only barbarians have... Um, Multiple wives. All civilized people have only have a monogamous relationships, which I don't know if uh, people nowadays would say. Well, you know, there's you have a lot of countries that have plural wives, and they they don't seem especially uncivilized. So, um, is that still a good rationale? I, I, I guess I guess the question has to be broached. Uh whether there are countries with plural husbands. <laughs> but we're not going to go down that road too far here. Uh, no, that's only, <laughs> only in, in the movie Paint Your Wagon with Clint Eastwood and Lee Marvin, <laughs> where the, the, the widow of a Mormon says, well, if, if one man can have two wives, why can't I have two husbands? <laughs> Those are the important questions in the world. Well, now, um, if we if we start to take a look at, uh, I think the Fourth Amendment is one of the really significant amendments um, because, you know, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures um, is a significant right that the people wanted to reserve. And, that and, they, and, and the other part that it says that you you have to be if you, there's a search, it has to be a warrant. And, and no warrant, warrant has shall to be issue. Probable cause. And no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. And that was to outlaw the British had adopted. They had a something like the. 
you know, Fourth Amendment, sort of, but they would get around it by having a general warrant, which just said, you can uh, you go in and search this house and for anything you can find. Well, Michael, we're going to have to uh, belay this to another date. Uh, I think we've had a wonderful discussion about uh, the Bill of Rights on this 232nd anniversary of its adoption and ratification by the states. Folks, uh, stay tuned. We're going to have former Grover Beach uh, Mayor Peter Keith on in our second hour. Talk to you right after this break. For more information on Slow County Public Policy and the law, visit our website, knews985.com. 